willingness to, to give to me and to provide for me. And then uh, yesterday was actually my ninth year of being a disciple of Christ. So um, just overall, this is just a very cool moment for me. And I, and I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate that for what it is. Um, and so um, we've been doing this treasure principle for the past few weeks, the whole month, you know, for nearly the whole month of February. And uh, I just wanted to run through quickly what we've covered already. And so the, the, we've done a, four keys already. And so, you know, I'm sorry if that's a little bit small. Everything looks bigger when you're sitting right in front of your computer screen, you know, so you, you forget that it looks like that. But so, um, but key, you know, the first key is that God owns everything. I am his money manager. Uh, key number two was my heart goes where I put God's money. Uh, key number three was heaven, not earth, is my home. And the key number four is I should live not for the dot, but the line. And I think the brothers have been doing a great job just visualizing that and it's been kind of working in you know in my heart and just where do I store my treasure and we've got you know the theme scripture which is in Matthew um, talking about do not store up treasures for yourself here on earth where you know moth and rust 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 destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourself treasures in heaven and for your where your treasure is there your heart will be also. And I think that's sort of the key. What we're trying to break in here is, is break down the heart. What, what is our heart towards this stuff? You know, I, I, when we want to give our money, what is our heart? Because, I, and I love how my dad kind of, you know, brought that back to being just grateful for Jesus because that kind of helps soften our heart when we have that level of sacrifice already. And I will get back to that later on. But so the next key, what is, what is the next key? I know you guys were all just like, I, I built up all those four keys, and you're just like, I got to get the next one, you know. And so, you know, the next key is that giving is the only antidote to materialism. So materialism, ooh, scary word, you know, it's such American thing, capitalism, greed, selfishness, whatever. You know, but what is really materialism? It's funny all the words that they put on there. I think literally there's one that, sa there's one that says atheist. But then there's one that's C-A, and I wonder if they just mean California. And I was just like, dang, they're really throwing California under the bus on that one. Um, but what, you know, I, I've, I grew up, you know, like, I guess my first introduction into materialism or the word, you know, consumerism or whatever you want to call it, was a little old cartoon that we would watch every year uh, around Christmas time. And that was a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, and, you know, and I, I wish, uh, you know, I wish they, were, they were moving, the pictures were moving a little bit. But, you know, just remember this cartoon. I, I always remember every year we would watch it around Christmas time. You know, and, and you've got uh, Lucy, you know, shaking the money. Oh, that sweet, sweet sound of money. You know, oh, great. So I love that sound of money. And, you know, walking through all the aluminum Christmas trees and being like, this is, you know, and, and, and just, uh, and that sweet, and, and uh, what, Snoopy entering in the competition win money, 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 you know, I can still hear those things in my head, because the enemy, uh, or the antagonist of this cartoon was consumerism, it was materialism, and we can kind of just get used to this word, because it's just like, oh yes, we appreciate the material things in life, but materialism at its core value is much, is much more serious than that, and, and so there it is actual, it's, a, it's an actual philosophy, you know, dating, you know, far back in history, and the philosophy is that 
all meaning is based on material things. Now that's really tiny, but it says that it's a philosoph it's a philosophical view that the only thing that can truly exist is matter. So stuff that you can touch, stuff that you can own, stuff that you can hold in your hand. Um, and that all things are composed of material and all phenomena are composed of material interaction. And think about that for a second. When we try and say like, oh, we just appreciate the material things in life. No, it's, it's, it's that the only thing that matters is matter. <laughs> the only thing that, that, you can, that you can experience is stuff that you can physically touch. So let's break that down. Love is just chemicals building up in your brain to make you feel appreciative towards something. Um, sadness is just things that are, you know, it's, it could be the weather. It could be, you know, your brain just causing you to be low in energy. Like there's no meaning. There's no, there, the meaning is literally just the physical nature of it. And so when we think about materialism and the scary side of it, is that it is very much almost the exact opposite of what we should believe as Christians. Because if, we, if, we're, if, we're, not try, if we're trying to oppose materialism, we're, we're saying, no, there is something greater than this. There is a, a something more than just the material nature of everything. You know, there's a, there's a spiritual quality to it. There, you know, it's not just chemicals. It is something that is, is, that is actually happening to me that has meaning. And, and I think, you know, when, if I look at my life, I love, I love things, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I don't have anything, I live on the land, and I, you know, work, you know, I, no, I, I own, in my possession, I own, like, 230 DVDs, so I have this giant catalog of movies, and, you know, and I didn't really think much of it, because I would go to movie stop, you know, a movie store and just buy a DVD for $5, $2, $3, whatever. I just buy them and, and I eventually amass this giant catalog. But I think I have this moment where I realize that this might not be the best thing <laughs> because I brought in someone to look at my DVDs. I was like, check this out. And they were like, wow, that's a lot. How many is that? And I was like, it's like 200. I was like, yeah, it's awesome, right? She's like, wow. So if you bought, if, if every DVD costs you $5, that's $1,000. And I was like, don't do that. That's, no, I can't, like, don't make it seem like I have just $1,000 in movies. But it is true. It's, you know, and, and then I tried to rationalize it. And I wanted to hold on to it because I was just like, I, was, I got some sense of pride from what I own, from what I can show people to be like, look, this is mine. This is what I'm interested in. This is what I spend my money on. But I realized, like, man, that is a lot of money. I never thought of it like that. So I had to check myself, you know, and I think, because when we want to, um, uh, when we want, when we have something, when we own something, it's very hard to give that away. Um, it's very hard to give up that, and it's definitely a. They, they've done a theory of this. It's called the prospect theory, and um, and it's kind of just this simple, you know, um, it's kind of just a simple mindset. But it's if you if you give someone a hundred dollars, you know, so if you if you just go like earned $100, or not even earned, someone just gave you, here, I want to give you $100 just as a gift. It's a very good memory. That's a very good day. Um, but if you're given $200 as a gift, and then 100 of it is stolen, that's a bad memory, even though you're still received $100. And so the value of something that is taken away from you is very much, is very much greater, like the, it, it ingrains in our head more 
than, if, than something that is just handed to us. We, 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 value, we, we hate losing so badly. It's the same idea where if, you know, if I, gave, if I show, uh, let's, I'll do an example. So one half of the room, I give you a mug. Everyone gets a mug. And I say, and, you, and write down the price that you'd be willing to sell this for. And this side of the room, I showed you the mug and said, how much would you be willing to buy this for? This side would, would have much higher prices than this side. Because you guys don't have the mug. You don't really care. You're, oh, I guess that's fine. But if I'm giving up my money for it, I'm not going to give up too much. But this side is like, no, I got the mug. You're going to have to pry this from my cold, dead body. You know, like, this is an ornate mug from the first century. You know, like, I'm pretty sure Jesus touched this mug. It's going to cost you a pretty pit. You know, because we just hate losing. Like, we just don't want to give things up. It's such a natural response. And that's why it's talked about in the Bible so much. That's why an entire book, The Treasure Principle, can be written on it. Because it's such a, an unnatural thing to give. And so we see this example at the very beginning of the church. At the very beginning of God's kingdom in Acts 2. And so let's turn there. Because this is kind of, you know, giving is the, ant- is the only antidote to materialism. And so let's see what the, what the people did. Um, just after, literally uh, just fresh off their baptisms, literally just straight out of the water, these were the principles that they immediately adopted into their lives. You know, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the type of people I want to be around. People that are always eating together. They're sharing, enjoying the favor of everyone. They have everything in common. You know, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. But, you know, they definitely had to give up some stuff. They sold their property. They sold their land. They gave up their possessions just so that everyone could have what they needed. Um, because there was a lot of needs. There was people like that were just literally like, I, I don't think I can go home. I, I, I'm, I'm here. I want to stay here. And I've, now I've got to support myself. So there were a lot of needs. And so, you know, when we have the idea of, of trying to antidote the materialism, you know, it is a good thing to think about. What? What do I just? What do I have that I just wanted? That I just bought off of a whim, or that I, or, or what are the things that I just kind of just, just buy without thinking? Or what are the things? Because that's where you got to start. Because these is this is where they started. I mean, it was a little bit more automatic for them. It's kind of scary, you know. If I if if it was like that's what you had to do <laughs> after you got baptized was sell all your possessions and give to everyone who had need that'd be kind of scary I, I you know i don't know if there if this room would be as full if that was the case you know and and you see it again and and not just in um in this in this chapter but in the next in in, in another chapter in acts in cha- acts chapter 4 you've got uh Verse uh, 32 through 35, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. Wow, they shared everything in common again. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully, and, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all 
that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. You know, in the first, in Acts chapter 2, it showed that there was growth that occurred when people gave up their stuff, you know. You know, and maybe it's not a one-to-one attribution thing where you, 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 give, you, you give up all the stuff and people want to become disciples. But I think when people have this heart, you know, when, 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 when disciples all are gathered on one heart and mind, you know, you, you can do so much together. It, it, it almost makes that group instantly more attractive. Even if they seem crazy, like you gave up all of your stuff, you sold all of your possessions, all of them. You, no, you just meant all the stuff you don't need. Oh, no, all of them. Wow, that's crazy. But that's awesome. What's, why did you do that? You know, it, it draws people in. And so this heart, of, this heart of giving is not just to say, no, I don't want to be materialistic. But it's I want to be more godly. I want to be, I want to be higher than that. I don't want to just say, I don't want to do, I don't want to focus on what the world wants to focus on. But it's replacing it with something. And, you know, I think, for me, sometimes I can read these two scriptures and I can immediately think of something that I don't think is very attractive to people. You know, it's like I say these things like when you give up all your stuff and give to everyone in need, you know, instantly people are like, wow, that's amazing. But some people immediately think, like myself, that it's straight up communism. Um, it's like, oh, you, you're just selling everything and, and, and redistributing it to everyone so everyone's on the same level. Like, it kind of is. But I think the major difference is that we don't have a government or a dictator, you know, pointing a gun to our head and saying, you better do it. You know, and, and it's not the hard hammer and sickle of the, you know, but it's, and there's other things that go into it. Because you don't have to give up everything. You don't have to sell all your possessions to the poor. You don't have to give it all up because God wants you to have the right heart. He wants you to, to and, and, when you, and we see you know, if you continue to read on right after that chapter in Acts, right after that scripture in verse 35, you see someone who said, I'm going to give, I'm going to say I give all of it, but I'm going to keep some for myself. And you saw, you know, like they gave something. That was amazing. But they didn't have the right heart. And spoiler alert, they dropped dead. God was having none of it. No, you're going to give with the right heart and you're not going to give, in, you know, you're going to give whatever is decided in your heart to give. But there's also another factor about this that kind of makes it different in my mind. And so it's in 2 Thessalonians. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians in uh, chapter 3. Um, it says, For you yourselves know, know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Well, that's kind of harsh. That's not the Acts 2 and 4 mindset. Isn't it just everyone, give to everyone who has need? No, it, it <laughs> it's not it's not just a communal living it's not just okay here you go you know no you need to put in work like you need to be with God's people you need to you need to contribute you need to help and you need to have the mindset that no none of this is mine I'm going to work hard for everything I'm going to work as though working for the Lord 
And that's where I think it separates, where it's not just a, oh, I have need, give to me. It's, 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 it's just, we just have this, this mindset that nothing is ourselves. And that's where the difference. We, we're trying to escape, I own this, this is mine, no one can touch this. We want to escape that mindset. And I think, you know, the, the way you do that is through, is, is saying none of this is mine. Or, 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 we're not existing in the material world anymore. Everything is for God. And therefore, I'm going to work hard for God's people. Not just for myself anymore, but for God's people. You know, I don't think any, Paul speaking here, he was saying that I didn't do this because I didn't think I was a, you know, I didn't need the help. I needed the help. I needed the food. But I wanted to give you a, 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 an example that I'm not above hard work either. You know, I want, I want, I'm not just going to sit here and, and hold out my hand. I'm Paul. Give me, give me food. Give me money. You know, like I deserve it. No. We're not, and, and that's where I feel the, the joy came from, where everyone was able to share everything in common. No one was taking advantage of each other. No one was, no one was saying, oh, well, you know, and even no one was saying, oh, well, you're going to have to work for it. You know, I'm not going to give it to you just yet. People were willing to give. People were sharing everything they had in common. They had a joy with their lives because everyone was willing to sacrifice for everyone. And that's what makes it, that's what makes, I guess, the, um, the instinct to be materialistic to kind of fade away a little bit. And so, um, yeah, here we go. We got another uh, practical scripture. So in, in 1 Corinthians um, 16, this is, I think, one of the most straightforward, practical things that we have on giving. It says, and this is written to a church, it says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. You know, it says, what does it say? It says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. You know, I think this is, a, this is where we get the, you know, we obviously get the tithe from the Old Testament. But this is kind of the New Testament application that there still should be a tithe. So some people are like, oh, tithe, that's an Old Testament thing. That's an Old Testament principle. We don't have to do it anymore. Well, this says some of your money in keeping with your income. <laughs> so maybe tithe is the, is the low bar here in the New Testament. Maybe that's the baseline that we should exist on because a tithe is a tenth of our money. It is a tenth of our income that we should be giving to God. That was how they did it. And it wasn't just, for them, it wasn't just money. It was grain. It was livestock. It was what they valued the most. And so, you know, I think of it that sometimes as this, you know, is that, okay, I have income to give, and, and it's gross income, by the way. I don't, you know, a tenth should be before Uncle Sam takes something away because, you know, Uncle Sam's not your God. And so, and so you know, Money is not the only way to be generous. You can be generous with other things. You know, you can, you can live your life and say, no, I have a car, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to make sure that I'm using it for God. I'm going to, and, and this is applicable for the campus, I'm going to give people rides, you know, to church. I'm going to make sure that my car is filled up because my car is not my own. You know, I, I, even though sometimes we drive some pretty, uh, pretty rickety machines there, you know, we, but, uh, you know, but our car is not our own. And so find ways to sacrifice within, not just with the money. Because for some of us, it's really easy. Yeah, I'll give the money. I got the money to, to give. But that's not necessarily the antidote to materialism that this is talking about. Because, you know, um, 
it, it, it should be, there should be faith to it. There should be something, you know, along the lines of this, that they're, that they're planning for it, that they have forethought. You know, if, you know, it's not just, okay, whatever I got left in my pocket. It's, okay, I'm thinking every single week, what am I give according to my income? Not just with money, but just with stuff as well. And, and I think, what should your percentage be? That should be the question. What is, what is my percentage? You know, is it a tenth? You know, and is that the faithful, you know, approach? If that is, amazing. Praise God. You've, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're giving what you can. But I, you know, I've gone through stages where, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of money to give. So I wanted to give in other ways. I wanted to serve in the kids' kingdom. I wanted to make sure that I was a leader within my own ministry. I wanted to make sure that, that I was still sacrificial, even though I was, was only giving like five to ten dollars a week for for contribution, and I think, um, and I think this is a mindset that we have of just we need to be able to give with a purpose to other people, and I think this church is excellent at that with all the with all the stuff we do for hope, with the MLK Day of Service, you know, with with the servants in the kids' kingdom. I think this church is really really good at that. There, I, I, the the small time that I've been here, I've just seen the generosity of this church, and it is encouraging. And so I want to definitely say you guys are doing a great job. You know, this is a, this is a, this is a really generous church. And so, and so I want to continue to encourage what, you know, almost what is, take another, uh, I guess, um, a- analysis of our income. And what are we, what are we holding back? What are, what are, what are the material things that we're just, that we just can't, that we just can't let go? And so um, that moves on to the next point, the next key. Um, key number six, which is God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. And so you could start off giving something, you know, you could start off by giving, okay, this is what I'm going to give. But then as your income rises, as, as things, you know, continue to work out or, or as things continue to not work out, do you still do another kind of analysis? Do you, do you re, re, reanalyze the what, because God's giving us more. And so that means God is, is, is allowing us, is giving us responsibility with more. And if we looked at the parable of the talents, we would see that when God trusts us with more, he expects more out of us, you know, in terms of giving. Um, and so uh, let's go to a scripture in 2 Corinthians. Um, this is really tiny. So um, I'm sorry about that, but... That's why you have your own Bibles. That's why you have stuff to be able to read alongside because I can't even, I can't even begin to read that. So, um, and it says, here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first, not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that you, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. And I think background is important for this scripture because we could just think, oh, yeah, we're giving to God's people. That's great. You know, I, I, I will, I'm willing to give to God's people. 
But see, the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth, the churches in Macedonia, they were giving to churches that were, that were predominantly Jewish. They were helping out churches that weren't necessarily their own culture. And so, you know, I love the presentation for Black History Month because it is all about equality, and it is all about equality in God's church. And so giving does not just mean giving to people that you're comfortable giving to. You know, sacrifice is not just, oh, I, I want to sacrifice for the people that I, that I feel like I can care the most for or that it's most meaningful for me to care for. No, these people were giving to cultures that they might have resented before they became disciples. They were giving to cultures that they, you know, were saying, well, you know, they've always been God's people and, and hoity-toity and stuff like that. I mean, I'm going to give to who I know will, will appreciate it the most. No, they had a desire to give, and they followed it through with action to people that they may have not liked that much in a cultural sense. And so giving, when, when God raises our standard of living, our standard of giving should increase, and it should be to those people that are in need. And that's it. Not those people that are in need that we can, you know, continue to build a relationship with, or those people that are in need and we feel like we'll appreciate it the most. No, it's just those people who are in need, period. And, and no, one is, no one is enabling anybody here. It's based on desire. These people had a desire that I want to give something. And that's where, that's where we should always start, is with this desire that I, you know, God's giving me so much, I need to return it, I need to return it with, with that same generosity. And I, and and this is just so powerful to me because when you give without the expectation of giving, of, of receiving it back, it's just so much, it's, 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 it's freeing for me. You know, it's, it's just, okay, I'm going to do it. And then whatever you get back is amazing. It's, it's a gift from God. It's, it's you're so grateful for it. If you only give with an expectation of receiving, then if you don't receive exactly what you thought you were going to receive, you might not give the next time. You might not be as willing to do that. And, you know, I was so, you know, I always like to, I always want to lift up my, the, the guys in my campus ministry because I, you know, I, I sometimes challenge them hard on things. I sometimes give them a high bar that they need to hit. And so for Valentine's Day, I said, guys, go get some notes and write a note for every single sister in the campus ministry. So every brother, and this is every brother, went out and wrote a note, and whatever it was, like a cheesy Valentine's Day thing, or, or some people wrote out really long stuff. I mean, it was, I just gave them something to do. And they went out and got a note for every single one. So all, all the sisters received a, a note from every single brother. And it was so special, because I, <laughs> in my head, I was, I was like, oh, I, I hope most of them do it. You know, it would be cool if most of them did it. And I showed up on midweek when we did it on Valentine's Day, the 14th, and I was just like, every brother did it. That's awesome. I was like blown away. And they did it just with, this, with just the mindset that this is the, this is, this is the way the sister's going to be taken care of. This is, this is how we're going to take care of them. Let's, and let's do it. And, you know, we did some other things as well. It was, it was super, it was a lot of fun. But that sacrifice of just like making sure every sister was taken care of, and it wasn't just... I'm going to write that note to that one sister, you know, that one, you know. I'm going to put all my effort into that one note, man. She's going to know that I appreciate her. 
But, you know, that wouldn't be the spirit of this. That wouldn't be the cheerful giving that God expects. That would be, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it would be different. It would be selfish. It would be what I want to hold on to. What, you know, it, it, that's the mindset that we would have sometimes on Valentine's Day of all days. And so we are trying to build equality. We want everyone to, we want everyone to have the same opportunities. We want everyone to share the same wealth that God's giving us, not just, not just with money, but, but with, what, with the grace and the mercy and just the love that God shares with us. We want everyone to feel that way. We wouldn't want people to be left out. We want to bring in as many people as possible. And I think sometimes we hate losing so much that that fear becomes more powerful than the possibility of what God's trying to do for us. And, and, and that fear just grows, is much stronger than the possibility of everyone being equal. Because that's what we want. I mean, that's what I want. I want people to be equal. I want everyone to have the same mindset. I want to be one. I want to have the same heart and mind, the stuff that it talked about in Acts 4 and Acts 2. They were, they were all sharing in the, same, in the same power and the same energy and the same spirit. And it was amazing. God added to their number daily. I think that still could be achieved, adding to the number daily. I, but maybe it's because we're not as giving. Maybe it's because we're not as, as willing to, to give to the people that it might not be as comfortable for us to give to. I don't know. I think, but I think when we have the mindset that when my standard of living increases, so will my giving, I think our mindset towards material things, I think our mindset towards other people will just, will, will just be so much more biblical. And so here in um, 2 Corinthians, another verse in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 9, um, it says, and remember this, it says, I, I love it when the Bible does that. It's like, take heed to my words, or, you know, or, or truly I tell you. You know, I love, I love it when the Bible reminds us that it's important. Um, should be always important, but it's always cool when the Bible does. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God wants to take care of us. He wants to give us everything. He's not, he's not just this, this uh, because, I mean, what does he need with your money? Like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like, he's not just storing up a bank, you know, a vault of all of your money. Like, I mean, he's not, a, he's not just like, give me more. You know, he just knows that we're selfish. He knows that we, we don't want to give stuff up. So he's just like, give stuff up, you will be happier in the end. You know, I want to, I'll give you, I'll bless you abundantly, just not in the way that you're thinking. You know, this is not a, um, a prosperity gospel. This is not something that, that, oh, you give in and God will give you back. You know, oh, well, you're going to give money in and you're going to re- get a return on your investment. You know, God's not trying to do that for us. You know, I mean, even though you could save right here um, that uh, you sow generously and you will reap generously. So it's like, I'm going to give this money every week, but I hopefully I'll rake it in later on. You can definitely say that from this. You know, if you just looked at this scripture, but I always think if you're just going to look at one scripture, 
you're really just hindering the entire message of the gospel. You've got to look at all the scriptures. And from all the scriptures that we've seen, the reaping generously was reaping the benefits of God's grace. It's reaping generously the equality of all people. It's being surrounded by people with one heart and one mind. It's not getting an extra, you know, getting that tax return every single year, you know. And it's, it, was, it, was something, it was something that, they, that caused them to be cheerful because that's what God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. And I, I certainly want to be a person that God loves. And it says right there, he loves a cheerful giver. And so what is this mindset of, of, of God, of, of the treasure principle, of, of, not, of not storing up treasures here on earth, but storing up treasures in heaven? You know, I think... It begins in the heart where you're a cheerful giver. You're, you're, you're wanting to do it like, in, like it said in 2 Corinthians. They, not only, they were the first to have a desire to do so. Not the, not the first people to do it. They were the first people to have the desire to do so. So we've got to begin in the heart. And it's got to be motivated by God. It can't be motivated by, you know, what we think we're going to get back or, or who we're giving it to. It, it's got to be motivated by God. And then it has to be strengthened by conviction. You have to build up for yourself a foundation of the word, that this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm doing it for and, and here's how I'm going to accomplish it. It's gotta be strengthened by, from conviction. And then it's going to be overflowing in generosity. It's gonna be, it's, it's, it's everything in your life is, gonna, is not gonna be yours. It's gonna be, it's gonna be up to people. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be for everyone. And that is where we're going to achieve this quality, this treasure principle, equality, this treasure principle that we're just, that we're so focused on right now. Because it's not about, you know, raising, raising the, 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 the weekly income of the church. It's not just about amassing this giant, you know, oh, look at us, we're so, we're so generous. Because once again, that's material. You know, that's, that's, that's something that, that, that we're still focused on what we have here on earth. You know, I think God always, because he doesn't look at the outward appearance of a man. You know, he looks at the heart. And so I want you guys to take this heart that, that God definitely has. You know, I, I was saying that God doesn't, isn't storing up this wealth for himself up in heaven. Like, yes, they gave me more. They gave me more. You know, it's like, and he's taking it all down. Like, yes, David gave me this much this week. Cool. He'll get a return on his investment later on. You know, he's not doing that. Because he is a sacrificial God. Is, I mean, and, and that brings us to communion. <laughs> and, you know, I loved how my, my dad brought up John 3.16 that for us to give, we have to also realize that, that God is, the, is, is also the most sacrificial giver. He's the example of a, a sacrificial giver for sure. You know, because, yeah, we're willing to give up our money. We were willing to give up our things. But sometimes when it comes to our sons or, you know, our family members, you got to be... Your price has to be pretty solid for you to say, that's what I'm going to be willing to do. And God saw the need. You know, he, he, he reflected all these scriptures that we were looking at. He wanted, to, he wanted everyone to have equality. He, wanted, he saw the need of the people. He heard our cries for help because we were so weighed down in our sin. He heard the, the he saw the, just how some people were just so, you know, so uh, needy when it comes to just our, our spiritual needs. And he says, what can I give? How can I give to them? How can I provide for them? It's like, oh, I could probably just, you know, 
you know, wave my fingers and figure it all out for them. No, he was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my son because they need an example. You know, they need someone to, to have a solid example of giving. They need someone they can imitate because I'm not really imitatable because I'm God. You know, I'm gonna, they're going to need someone who's a human who's done this. And, and I'm going to give him that. It's like, okay, cool. He'll come and live on this earth and, you know, have a family and enjoy life and, you know, and, and, and have a pretty good, pretty good life and live an example for us. No, I'm going to give him. He's going he's gonna to suffer on this earth. He's going he's gonna to work hard. He's, he's not going to have much time to himself. He's, he's going to be hated by people that should re- respect him as the Savior. You know, he's going he's gonna to be taken to a court. And it's going to be this weird, almost kangaroo court of just people just, just bringing false accusations and bringing, and bringing, you know, evidences that are lies against him and trying to kill him. No, he's, yeah, he's going to have it tough. He's going to have to work hard. He's going to have people spit in his face. You know, I'm going to give my son to that. You know, I'm going I'm to give up that. That's, that's what I'm going to give them. So that when he dies, everyone will know. Even people who have no context, even the Roman centurions will know. Yeah, that was the son of God. No doubt. Because nobody's that sacrificial. There's no way anyone would do that for someone else. That has to be God. And that's what, that's what God is trying to get us to do. Because it, it, it means a lot more when someone says, here, do this. This will, this will help you. And, you're, and, and it's from someone who's done it. And done it to the extent that we could almost never match. And so when we think about uh, communion, <laughs> you know, when we think about the time where we're supposed to reflect on what Jesus has done for us, and we, when we try and relate it to the treasure principle, it's a perfect match, guys. It's sacrifice, it's love, it's equality for all of us that now we all can have a relationship with God. We all can have the grace. We all can have the mercy. And uh, we can live cheerfully, you know, joy, joyfully, and be able to give back to God as much as he's given to us. And so focus on that. You know, try and work these keys, these treasure principles, all the six keys that are in this, that we've done in this series. Try and reflect them onto the time of communion where you're remembering. This is what Jesus wants for us because this is what he did for us. And so let's go to God in prayer before we take the communion. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God. You are an amazing Father. Um, You are a Father that gives to us. You are a Father that cheerfully gives to us, God, that that, um, willingly gives to us and gives us everything, God. You don't hold anything back. God, and I just pray for us, God, uh, that selfish mindset that we have, God, the materialistic mindset that we have, God. I just pray, God, that we can overcome that, God, that we can can be able to give despite that fear, that, that fear. God, and I pray that we can ha- allow the possibility of equality with everyone and equality, you know, uh, for everyone, God, that, that that can drive our giving, God, that, that the people that are in need can drive our giving, God. And I'm just so grateful for your son. Your son is, 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 is just the ultimate source of wisdom, the ultimate source of, of, uh, of generosity and of sacrifice. And I just pray that we can always remember him. Um, God, I love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.